everyone. Welcome to episode 43 of the Brosane Detroit Pistons podcast. We're recording on Sunday, February 10th, 2019. I'm Carl Rosane. And I'm Alex Rosane. And uh, thanks for tuning in if you're still bearing with the Pistons. Uh, we thought we would check in and talk about where are we right now as a franchise. We just uh, The trade season just came to a close, and we are coming to grips with the fact that after going in for Blake, we're no no better, maybe worse than we were last season. So what do we do now? Yeah, it, I mean, there, there's just a lot to, to process. I think, you know, we haven't had an episode in a while because, uh, you know, it got a little uninspiring to watch the games. Um, and we're trying to figure out what is the problem. What should we do in the trade ted- deadline? Kind of never made up my mind, at least. Um, and, and and so, yeah, here we are. We're, we're worse than... Most of the Van Gundy years um, uh, on offense, defense, and overall. And and what's particularly disappointing in a different in a, in a specific way is that to me, what the big risk was that if Blake got injured, we you know it could be a complete disaster if he didn't end up being well, turning out good. Mm-hmm. In, in one way, it's great that he's having a really good season, one of his best his best seasons since maybe th- three years ago. But what's terrible is that even with that happening. Uh, a combination of him not being great on defense, maybe, and losing someone like Anthony Tolliver. Like somehow we're, we're like worse than we were last year, and we're out of the playoffs again, and going to have a below five hundred record, and maybe fighting our way to the eight seed. We'll, we'll just get completely blown out by the elite teams at the top of the East. So it's depressing. I think they they finally chipped away. It took many years, but they they've broken us down. The optimistic Brosane is uh, sitting here, uh, not very inspired to to continuing to continue apologizing for the Pistons' moves. Uh, in our in our future, yeah, it's um, you know, so we we would have been this is worse than every year we've had on offense since Lawrence Frank was our coach in 2011-2012 in terms of our offensive rating compared to the league average. Our defense is decent; we're you know close to top ten, and we you know it, it's uh, as good as it's been except for one year under Ben Gundy, Ben Gundy's best year. On, on defense a couple of years ago. And like a, a team with a bad offense is just really hard to watch. Um, we And I think, I mean, part of what we're seeing is when you play young guys and you try to develop them, you, you are worse. Like, you know, Ben Gundy made the decision, we're going to sign Anthony Tolliver and play him a lot instead of developing Henry Ellenson. Uh, you know, th- there was a decision right after training camp Henry had come in and done everything Ben Gundy asked and was moving his feet on defense. And I remember a press conference with Ben Gundy saying, gosh, it's really hard. But, you know, Tolliver's, I just trust him more. And Tolliver had a great season and boosted us on offense a little bit to us being below average instead of heinous on offense. And, and then now we just waved. We just waved Henry Ellen said, yeah. who knows how, what, how much of a difference that would have made. But um, it just shows the trade-offs. Um, we're playing second round pick Bruce Brown a lot. We played Stanley Johnson, you know, I, I don't think a unusual number of minutes, but we we're trying him again. We're trying playing him at power forward. And those two guys are just so bad on offense. Um, they, they just kill our offense. Our starting lineup is actually pretty good. And we can't get bench units that can, you know, both defend and play offense uh, for any stretch. Yeah, I mean, again, if we're at big risk of Ish Smith having, you know, not playing and suddenly it tanks our offense. I mean, we just, we're not deep enough to really sustain an NBA offense. Uh, but let's talk about some of the recent moves. I'm a little bit puzzled because 
we, we're going in two different directions at the same time. We signed Blake Griffin with a win now attitude. And then apparently at the trade deadline, we can talk about the moves we made. We traded Reggie Bullock, our, our actually only remaining good three point shooter who was 27 and maybe set to make $10 million a year after next year for Svi Mikhailuk, who's a, a prospect, you know, he was a second round pick last year, but he's looking pretty good. He's on a much better contract for the coming years, but that's not going to make us better now. And we traded for, um, we, we cut bait on Stanley Johnson, which is fine. And we got Thon Macher and the Brozane is going to have the official correct pronunciation, even though everyone else calls him Thon Maker. Because uh, in an interview one time on Zach Lowe's podcast, he did clarify that meekly, like, yeah, it is pronounced Macher, but he kind of <laughs> doesn't care that people just call him Thon Maker. Um, but anyway, that's not going to make us better now. I mean, I, I'm sort of like, eh, on that. That's fine. I was, I was kind of getting sick of uh, Stanley just being so terrible at shooting. But that's not going to help us be better right now. Those are all future-looking moves. And apparently, we were down to the wire or, or had a chance to get Conley maybe. And they, what, they, what, um, what they wanted was Luke Kennard and a first-round pick, and that was too much for us because giving up a first was too much. But, like, if we're trying to go in on Blake's timeline, that would have been a reasonable thing to do. Like who cares about another first? We're gonna, you know, we're gonna really be paying for it at the back end of uh, Blake's contract. So why not get Mike Conley? Maybe the reason why not is because that would probably barely get us into the fifth seed on the East in the next couple of years, and that's just too depressing. But if that's the case, then in my opinion, we better trade Blake this summer, or I, I don't see a future for us besides just like holding tight onto like half our assets and and then but keeping Blake and then like barely like being in the middle of the East is just it's torture. Yeah, I, I'm a uh, I'm a little more uh, sanguine, uh, but I, I have noticed the conflicting messages on the timelines. So, in addition to what you said, where we're we've got Blake committed to this timeline, we traded a, a future asset for it, the, the, our first round draft pick before this year, and then we made a couple of uh, not win now moves, and but then we waived Henry Ellenson and signed uh, Wayne Ellington, a shooting guard who's 31, you know, with, with that roster spot. And some of the um, the money that we cleared by you know, trading Reggie Bullock and, and so forth, you know, freed up the roster spot and the space under the luxury tax to do that. So we're, we're doing both win now and win later moves. Um, so I think we're just kind of tweaking and satisficing. We're, we're just trying to make little small bore moves that make our cap situation a little better next year. We just weren't going to weren't going to pay Reggie Bullock his market rate, I guess. And so we decided to take a chance that Wayne Ellington and Speed Mikhailuk will be about the same as Bullock or a better value. Um, and Ellington is, you know, kind of a similar quality on offense to Bullock um, this year, but he's 31 years old. Um, I remember when I had that play type data that I was talking about on uh, uh, last year. Uh, that's no longer available on NBA.com. That must have been a short-term deal they had with the provider of that data. But Wayne Ellington was like scoring a lot off of screens and stuff and, and dribble handoffs. So he's like sort of a poor man's JJ Redick, I think, on running around on your half-court offense. So I don't know. It's like we're both positioning ourselves to make a run to get – into the playoffs this year, but also not particularly maximize what we can do in the next few years. 
And I don't know if trading for Conley was was the move or not. It yeah. was just like Blake. It was like really risky because if he gets hurt and the end of his contract might be bad. Well, yeah, I mean, the point is if, just be consistent. I mean, at least we would have two really good players and could actually be better now. I, I, we thought the Blake trade was a mistake from the day we did it, but like at least we'll be good at the front end of his contract. Um, yep. And some of the Detroit writers are talking as if Blake's some prized asset who, and like maybe he'll get sick of Detroit and want to force his way out of here. We better please him now. It's like, no way. He's lucky to be, he's lucky to, like he's going to be opting into his 30, $39 million contract in 20, 2021, 2022 with whoever he's with. And he's not going to, so, and I think that like we would be lucky to, uh, trade him for something that was not hurtful to our, like if, if he hadn't had a really good season this year, it might be one of those situations where we would have to attach a first round pick just to get off his contract. He had a good season, uh, but he's not in that, he's not, he's nowhere near in that same category of uh, as like, uh, you know, the Kevin Durant or, um, you know, the, or Anthony Davis. Anthony Tyree Davis. Irving. Yeah. So, so I, I feel like the Detroit Raiders are kind of putting him in that tier, and he's not. He's he's an all star, not an all NBA player. He's really good, but not great enough to single handedly apparently make an Eastern Conference team a playoff team. Yeah, the reason why everyone's going after Davis and Durant is because their worth, their production is worth more than a max contract. And Blake's having a great year, and he's about worth the huge amount we're paying him. And if you pay people what they're worth, that's a good way to be a five hundred team. You know, yeah, and just by logic. Yeah, and 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 give it two more years, three more years of his contract, and the chances of him getting injured at some point get higher and higher, and he's getting paid more and more money. Um, and if if you look at our our cap situation, really next year is when after next season, all of the ghosts of our past are starting to roll off the books. We have the Reggie Jackson contract, John Lewis contract, Langston Galloway, uh, even. Um, even Josh Smith's <laughs> dead, <laughs> dead money, dead money, up. dead so money. That's like thirty million bucks right there. Yeah, uh, uh, opening up with the cap, you know, slightly marching upwards. Um, so, you know, we've been saying all along, like we're really lashed to the mast of our ship here for uh, this year and next year, unless we make lateral moves or attach picks to get off salary. Um, so that's what I see us doing with the Stanley and Reggie Bullock trades um, is to try to just. Let's just make the best of it and be a, a low seed playoff team for this year and next year, and then kind of kind of try to grow from there. But um, so that that's what it looks like we're doing, and you know I don't know if talking about other strategies and scenarios helps that much because I think Gore's he's just not a, let's do the process like I'm willing to tough it out in a small market and tank or something like that, and you know tanking is. You know, it, it it it's sexy because people like make a spreadsheet and see. Yes, this does increase your percentage chance of getting a star. But like, you know, if you uh, the Detroit news writer Rod Beard has been pointing out, like Phoenix has had three top four picks in a row, and they've ended up with like Dragon Bender, DeAndre Ayton, who's good, um, and uh, Josh Jackson, and like, man, like. Aiden, Aiden is good, but he's not a Durant level star yet. And the other two guys like might not be starters. Uh, definitely not all stars. And you, so you just have to grind through it for a long time and get lucky. They're Devin Booker. They're one guy who does have star potential. They got in the late lottery where we're going to, where we've been picking. 
So well, my, my yeah. to me is it's not so much about tanking to try to go the Philly route. It's more just like being consistent with lining up the age of your players mm-hmm. to like strike when the iron's hot. And I think in the past couple of years, we have been arguing in favor of it would it wouldn't really do us much good to try to cut bait on the Reggie Jack- Jackson Drummond nucleus because they just no one's going to take their contract. It would be expensive to get off their contract. You you really couldn't do it. We just have more freedom coming forward, except for Blake. He's like the one sore thumb sticking out on our cap sheet right now. Uh, and I just don't see him being quite, to your point earlier, at best, he's worth what he's making. And that's not really like what you want to see. And I just feel like given that he had – oh, by the one more thing I want to lament is that having traded Tobias Harris and a first-round pick to get him, and then just seeing the Clippers have flipped Tobias Harris's kind uh, – into two first round picks. That basically means that we were net out three first round picks. Uh, I'm not sure we would have definitely been able to get the same deal this year. Maybe not, but like, yeah, it's just that, that hurts in terms of like our inconsistency in our moves, like uh, in, in going after Blake. And, well, now, now the thing is though, both Tobias and Blake um, increased their trade value this year with their performance. They both, you know, it's like you, you sell one house and buy another house and they both go up in value. And you can like feel good about the one you bought or feel bad about the one you didn't hang on to. But like, and then, but LA did do a great job of finding the one team to whom Tobias was worth the most as the fourth banana and a team willing to, okay, we're going all in. We're going to pay the luxury tax. The process is over. We're going to max out Tobias as our fourth best starter. We, we wouldn't have had the guts to do that. We wouldn't have been able to, if we still had Tobias, and Gores as our owner, we would not have done that trade. So that wasn't available to us. But well, you don't think it could come around to this point? We would we, sh- we would have done that trade right now. No, Tobias is still young, and we would have been like, he's our core. That, that's well, my prediction. Well, I mean, fine, but but Blake, even though he's had a good season, and his his value has increased from from in most cases needing to attach a pick to, to get off his contract to maybe not. Whereas Tobias increased to. Finding someone, finding a soccer to get two first round picks. That was an anomaly. They got like they got more. I mean, like uh, Philly uh, sort of gave out more for Tobias than they did for Butler, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean Tobias had a really good season. Like uh, I think that was he, isn't he doing fifty forty ninety in percentages? Like he's 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 playing well. It just the thing is, um, you know, friend of the podcast Charles was was pointing out. Everyone loves Tobias when they look at his numbers, but t- but when you have him on your team, you see how limited he is. He's not a first option, right? And you and you can't pay him like one unless unless you're paying him like one, but he's still your fourth option, like Philly is. But what I wanted to say about Blake is his trade value went up too. We we were when we paid the trade haul we paid for him, we were buying. You know, maybe he'll be as good as he is now, or maybe he'll be hurt and. Uh, and, and suck. But I think we've come out the other end with teams would have much more confidence that he's not always injury prone. He's not even usually wearing like a sleeve on his knee or at least half the games. He's added a three point shot to his game for now, a big enough sample size where it's like he can shoot threes now and he, and he's really good. And he's, you know, being a good soldier and looks like he's being a good leader. I don't know what the whisper circles of the NBA say. Um, so, I think his trade value has gone up since we traded for him. So if we wanted to um, say, you know, treat him as an asset that we acquired, went up in value, and now we want to cash in, we could trade him this offseason 
I think you were you were saying uh, before we got on mic here. Um, this offseason, a team that that has arranged everything to try to go go all in for Durant, Kyrie, uh, Kawhi, or Butler, or, or whoever, Anthony Davis. Or Anthony Davis um, once the the musical chairs, you know, they, all those guys have sat down. There are some teams that might want to trade a lot of future assets for Blake as as, as another piece. Um, you know, Boston comes to mind if if they. You know, they strike out on Davis. Let's say Anthony Davis signs with the Lakers or the Clippers or the Knicks or something, surprisingly. And Boston doesn't get him. They, you know, they're not willing to offer Tatum or Ames tries to pull some shit. And, you know, no, they won't trade with him. Um, and they feel like, you know, we can't keep Kyrie unless we get another star. There's, you know, they, they're the type, exactly the type of team that might be able to use Blake. They just, they, they pay him a lot for a couple years but they still have these up and coming young players. They they might look at that as a way to get the first two years of a five year peak until Tatum, you know, he hits his peak. And they have four first round picks this year, uh, probably. They have and they're not very good. They have their own. They have a, a Sacramento pick that'll be in the second half. I think they might have a a Clippers pick that's in the second half of the first round, or they might lose the Clippers pick depending on what what they do. And uh, and maybe one other one, and um, they have Gordon Hayward's contract. It, we could do another, you know, house flipping thing where Hayward might come back like Paul George did from a terrible leg injury, and just a couple years later he's awesome again. Or maybe he's not good anymore, and maybe Boston doesn't feel like waiting to find out, and maybe we could take another risk like that, you know. So that's just one detailed scenario, but like Denver uh, could use a, a power forward there. They paid Paul Millsap a ton, and he's on the decline, and his contract expires this year. And you know, maybe they maybe they feel like they could use Blake. Maybe Portland um, thinks if they could get Blake into their lineup next to Lillard and McCollum, they trade us some contracts and all their future assets and Zach Collins or something like that. Um, you know, Utah could really use a power forward, and they could really use someone who can create offense. They're really asking too much of Donovan Mitchell. You know, so some team, lots of teams need a guy like Blake and maybe could just give us all their future stuff. And, you know, I don't know if that's a good move or not. We would make us worse, but it's like his trade value is high right now. And we should think hard in in this offseason about cashing that in. Yeah, and to me, it's it's not that I want to tank just for the sake of tanking. It's just that that would better align all of our current contracts. And in the meantime, we would at least be getting – better first round picks not like tanking for the lot for the top three picks because that's that takes a lot of focus because the people who tank now are, are like really bad I, I don't think it would be that bad but at least it would be aligned um maybe just trying to play devil's advocate against myself for a second the thing that surprises me because if you look at blake he is one of the best you know assist percentage per usage you know it is like 87 percentile which means that for his, position. for his position. So he's one of the best passing bigs in the league. And the whole idea was that if you traded Tobias for Blake, you get someone who's uh, similar offensive caliber, but more, much, much more of a playmaker. And that would unlock distributing to open threes. The problem is we are the worst freaking three point shooting team in the league, literally. Uh, so we gave up 
one of our, we gave up the sort of the tent pole that was keeping our, and then Anthony Tolliver also was shooting well for open threes. And, and we just, so he passes to people and they miss three pointers. That's what it's like to watch the Pistons these days. Uh, and so maybe if I was playing devil's advocate, maybe somehow, you know, Mikhail ends up making open threes and, and people, Kennard develops and we find someone else. Uh, who can shoot threes and, and and somehow it actually ends up to being an elite offense or something like that. Like that's the, maybe the, the case you'd, you'd make your t- to yourself to keep him. Yes. I, and I think actually we'll get the information, some of the information we need in this stretch run of the season here, mm-hmm. because we try, you know, we're getting rid of, we got rid of Stanley um, and we got Wayne Ellington for, for Reggie Bullock. That might be about a wash in terms of offensive contribution this for this stretch of the season. Reggie Bullock is um, younger, so it would be a better long-term play. Reggie Jackson's playing well lately. And, um, and so maybe, maybe that's like a, he's hitting his stride after, you know, playing himself back into shape or figuring out how to play off the ball or something like that. Or maybe it's just a fluke and he'll, the pendulum will swing the other way. But like Don Macher shot 38% his rookie season from three. He sucked this year, but you know, like, I think he's like 33% career or something like that. I mean, so he can probably hit corner threes. Yeah. And, and well, and, and Zaza Pachulia can set picks and injure people. And that's about it on, <laughs> on, uh, on offense. So I, what I'm saying is if we, if we put in Ellington for Bullock, that's kind of a wash. If we put in, um, Mikhail Luke and Luke Kennard minutes for Stanley Johnson, um, and Kennard hasn't been playing that well, but he's been shooting. Okay. If he if he gets more open shots, mm-hmm. if he just unlocks one thing or plays a little, with a little more confidence, it is it's possible that we could just get a little bit better on on hitting open threes and move up to like league average offense and still be top ten defense. And we're two games in the loss column out of the sixth seed, not just the eighth seed, but the sixth seed. The six, seven, and eight are tied right now in the loss column. Because it's because ter- because everyone's terrible besides the top five, so right. It's sort of a I'm not sure how excited I am about that anymore. It's better than nothing, but like at this point, given that the East has gotten so much better at the top, uh, I mean, who knows what will happen with the Raptors? Maybe the Raptors will lose Kawhi, but the Bucks and um, Sixers, the Celtics, Sixers and Celtics are going to be way better than us for the foreseeable future. Toronto, Toronto, they could blow up after this year. I mean, they've they've got. Uh, Kyle Lowry's on a Blake Griffin contract. Yeah, I mean, and then the Pacers. I'm not sure just how bad the injury is going to be to um, yeah, a, a ruptured quad tendon for Oladipo. That, I mean, that doesn't sound good for like they've still been pretty good. I mean, they, they're they're built solidly enough. To apparently, they've been they've been treading water uh, since his injury. But so I just don't see us being. But they could end up as our first round matchup, and we could beat them without Oladipo. I mean, it would be a flu. We'd be like Forrest Gumping our way accidentally into the second round of the playoffs, but like that'd be fun. Anyway, what, what I'm saying is we we're we're done with this. Let's develop Stanley Johnson. We're done with. Let's see if Glenn Robbins is good. The the, the verdict is no, he's not good. Um, we've got we've added a couple of guys who can hit threes. Um, the only guy we're playing regularly now who's bad on offense is Bruce Brown, who. I saw on a one Twitter account, it's some NBA analytics Twitter account, I forget the name, that um, Bruce Brown is in the top 10 in the league in uh, percentage of layups missed. <laughs> but what's funny is that if you look at our lineups, our lineup, our, our best lineup uh, that actually is a 
pretty good. Like I think it's like 68th percentile. Um, no, no, 83rd percentile has in differential in differential has Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, Reggie Bullock, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond, which is pretty surprising. You know, then you take Bruce Brown out of it and replace it with Glenn Robinson, and we go down to 26th percentile. Um, yep. So it's just like that kind of sh- shows just how bad Glenn Robinson is, but also that Bruce Brown is a is a good defender and a, and does the right thing on the court, even though he's not a good shooter. Uh, to the point where I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I I'm not. I'm kind of here, neither here nor there on Bruce Brown. It's nice that he actually has been able to not be terrible for us uh, as a second round pick. It it just we, we're we're able we're consolidating now a little bit, and we're we're just we're able to move on from Stanley with Stanley Johnson on the court this year. We were a fourth percentile offense. Yeah. So I mean, we're just we're done with that now. That's that that's good. Um, he, he's a good defender. He can probably have an NBA career. I'm rooting for him, but he needs to play a different role than he was trying to play with us. And, um, well, he, he needs to be on a better team with more scorers. And so he can come in and be that the Tony Allen guy. And then, you know, he needs to be on the Spurs where they'll just make him do what he's supposed to do. What was, what's puzzling to me is that how somehow how Bruce Brown ends up not being that bad, uh, uh, compared to Stanley Johnson, like they're similar in some ways. Bruce Brown's younger; he has more upside, but they both are, are are good on defense and terrible on offense. But somehow he's not quite as damaging as a. Uh, I think Stanley just ended up with. They would just basically, it would end up where like he would have an open three so often, and he would just need to shoot it, but he just would not make it. Like, I think it's sort of like our offense would would sort of. Blake Blake uh, bullies his way down there, draws double teams, swings it around, and then the open shot comes to Stanley. Mm-hmm. And, and like he just, I mean, the difference is Stanley would take the shot. He shot nine threes per hundred possession, and Brown doesn't take the shot. He's three and a half threes per hundred possession, and they both make under thirty percent by by like offensive box plus minus and by um, offensive rating. Brown and Johnson are similar, and Brown's probably worse. It's just. Um, so it's just that his usage is lower. So we're just living with him, just always passing to somebody and having somebody else deal with it. And whereas Johnson was like, I was the number seven pick. I need to, I need to take the tough shot here. That's what I mean. But like, if he just like swapped mentalities with Bruce Brown, he could probably get some playing time and just like be a liability, but not unplayable. Yeah. Anyway. So I, what I, what I mean is we're, we're, ma- we're making some tweaks and we'll get some information about, our young guys, we, we still have shooters. Reggie Jackson's playing well lately. So maybe we'll play 500 ball the rest of the season, make it into the playoffs, and see if we can get glimpses of, is there a bench unit that can tread water, um, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and then for next year, you know, what's our hope? Are we just going to see this movie again? Uh like we we can't do much to upgrade our talent unless we really hit on our middle of the first round pick, or we can package our pick with the, you know to to make a trade and get a guy, or we can trade Blake. Um, and it's just really all about you know can can we get Andre to to play how he's supposed to? Um, well, well, yeah, we should talk about Andre, but oh, I I kind of feel like the to me we were I, we were arguing to give. Van Gundy and the Drummond Reggie Jackson nucleus a real fair shot longer than most 
pundits and fans were, I think. But I, I'm, I'm kind of out on that. Like, I, I don't, to me, like scrambling and, and, and getting blown out in the first round as the, in the, in the eighth seed or having that be our similar, I don't see us making a big leap next year. <clears throat> I would much rather start thinking about the next, uh, sort of like the next era at this point and, and aligning our pieces around that way and not, not just like giving, getting rid of stuff to, to deliberately become terrible. But if we can get off Blake's contract, great. Drummond's probably good enough that like having him for that extra year is not going to really matter that much either way. I, I might trade him if I could get something good for him. Um, Supposedly but, we've been trying regularly for the last couple of years. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, he is, he, he, he does have one more year past that time where um, Reggie's contract comes off the books. Um, so let's talk about, like you, you, you've done some, you've done some digging into Drummond and he's sort of puzzling because he is the best rebounder in the league. He's really good at getting blocks and steals. He's becoming better on defense. His free throw percentage has come back down to earth about 55%, but it's, it's still not like career ending. Like just, it, it destroys our offense at the end of games. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just can't keep himself from taking those three or four extra shots a game that makes him a bad offensive player at, at a pretty high usage rate. Yes. He, I mean, he, his, um, it, it looks weird that he didn't make the all-star if you, the all-star team this year, given that he has twice in his career and he's scoring a little more than he had earlier in his career. But, um, you know, he, he's, he's this talented player. He's so active on both sets of rebounds. He gets a lot of steals. He gets these fun, like breakaway for a dunk steals, which is really fun for a big man. He can move his feet. He can move his feet. He doesn't always get out and contest jumpers the way he should. But I think he just, a little bit like Stanley Johnson, he is trying to be, play a role that is not helpful. He's, um, his usage rate is, is pretty high. Uh, you know, not like, uh, Iverson or Blake level, but he, you know, he's, he's doing it like a main offensive cog. And he has a high percentage of unassisted makes. Like he's in the 80th percentile in uh, having a low amount of your makes that are that are assisted. And so what that means is he's creating offense. It's just that he's creating offense that's a little bit inefficient. And I just feel like if we got, if he was on a team where he was clearly the third or fourth guy on offense, instead now he thinks he might be the second or third, and his role became clearer. I think he could really help a team. Yeah. But so, like, if the Celtics traded for him in the offseason, you know, they're just like, we're sick of not having good rebound, uh, having good rebounders, and um, you know, maybe Al Horford is dinged up, or they they want to move on, something like that, where where he was on a really good team. I think he he could really help them. Like Zach Lowe said, basically to uh, to drag him a little bit. He's a, an elite garbage man. But he really is an elite garbage man in terms of, you know, dunking alley oops and uh, and that and doing putbacks. But so so but I was trying to put a put really get my arms around like how much are these three to ten foot shots hurting? If he cut those in half, then he would be more similar to DeAndre Jordan in his behavior in terms of the percentage of his shots that are from that range. His true shooting percentage would rise to being league average, and, and it's below average now. He's like, in ter- for, for centers that play a decent amount of minutes, he's the worst in the league at 
what ha- what's the outcome when he takes a shot or, or takes a shot or a free throw. Um, and so he, he needs to take fewer shots or play less. And I'm, I'm, I'm going for take fewer shots. But if he rose to league average, that would still be bad for a center because centers are usually really good on true shooting percentage. You know, Rudy Gobert just only dunks it 25 times a game. If he eliminated his those shots altogether, which is not possible, like everybody takes a few of them, then he would start to look a little bit more like Embiid and Jokic and Horford in terms of true shooting percentage. And they're middle of the pack. The guys who are really at the top are like Clint Capella and Rudy Gobert, who really don't try to do anything other than dunk all over people when somebody gets them the ball. And he Drummond wouldn't be like that. He just doesn't finish at the rim well enough. But that just shows you he's just wasting a few possessions a game. And you, it's not like it's hard to see when it happens. You see him get the ball near the dotted line, and it's like, oh, no, Andre. And then he shoots his little shot put shot. And sometimes it goes in, and he feels awesome, and he runs back really hard. Yeah. And a little too much, it doesn't. Nevertheless, our half-court offense is better with him on the floor by – over four points per play. So probably his offensive rebounding is just so good. His offensive rebound, his, his gra- gravity as a role man a little bit. Um, and he, re- you know, the numbers bear out that like we get a lot more points per miss of the, the per, per the cleaning the glass stats than when he's on the floor, than not 94th percentile in how much better we are at getting points off of misses. The, the other side of that coin, though, is that the other, um, the other side's uh, transition de- offense is way better with him on the floor. Um, we're, we're, the, the Clinton of the Glass has this stat. Um, what percentage of the time does the other team have a transition play instead of a half-court play off of a live rebound? And we're fourth percent. The difference when he's on the court versus off the court is fourth percentile. So meaning the other team gets a lot more fast breaks off of rebounds when Andre's on the floor. What that means is he's going for the offensive rebound and he either gets it and we we're, it's awesome when we score or he doesn't get it and then he's right under the basket. He's of the 10 people on the floor furthest away from our basket when the other team has the ball. Yeah. And they get fast breaks. And I think either either this is something where he can work his way out of that by – committing to running hard back or the league has solved what to do with offensive rebounders. And it's just a, an un, it's like a checkmate move. If you have a, a guy who goes for offensive rebounds, we're going to commit to running when, like, and playing the odds on average, we're going to win that. And um, that's basically what Michigan basketball does. We, we focus on defensive rebounds. We don't go for offensive rebounds at all. We don't turn the ball over, so they, the other team doesn't get fast breaks either, that, that way either. And it just accumulates. So Andre's got the tools, but we're not – we're just – the way we're using him uh, it is and, – and the role he's playing is just not quite right. But I'm really encouraged. Like, the, off, there are, the other team's half-court offense is worse when he's on the floor. That's the first time in a few years that's been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, he, that, that tells me like he's a veteran now and he's not doing unhelpful things and he's standing in the right place a little more often. So it's just like what we're saying about Andre all the time. He's got the talent. You see the flashes. 
They're just and these behavioral things. And he's realizing it enough to the point where he's not a liability. I mean, our, our, our problems on offense have to do with our bench being awful and then people missing open threes. He's not doing either of those. Yes. But he's not – like we hope that he could become great and become a value contract. We're paying him $27 million this year, and you might argue he's barely worth it. And, again, having someone barely worth their high salary mm-hmm. is not how you – It's a good it. way to become a 37-win team, Yeah. Basically, what we are. What we were hoping is he become, you know, we before we would say we, we were hoping that peak John DeAndre Jordan was like something that he would definitely exceed when we were really high on Drummond. So that's just not happening. Uh, I don't see like he's he's making incremental improvements every season with his free throw percentage, his defense, um, and you know who knows maybe he could make another leap. I don't. I'm not sure. I don't think like making a big move to trade him is going to be our solution. I'd be fine if like we had a that was like the last vestige of the. Ben Gundy era as we were turning over our roster. The Blake Griffin contract that goes, you know, $34 million this year, 36 39 on that last player option when he's, when, like, I, I just feel like he's going to get to a point where he starts missing 20 games a season and or decreases his efficiency. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll be like the, the cornerstone as we rise back up into a competitive in the East. I just don't see it. So I would, no, no, we, tr- we, uh, the one thing that came out these last couple of weeks, I think might've been Vince Ellis of the free press, but I, I'm not certain reported that, um, Van Gundy had other teams agree to trades for Drummond twice and Gores vetoed it. Wow. Uh, including one to Sacramento where probably would, we would have gotten like Willie Colley Stein and like salary cap filler or something. So he was trying to, he wasn't, it wasn't some sort of big upgrade move. It was like dumping him. Cause like, I can see Van Gundy being extremely frustrated by Drummond not doing uh, what he's supposed to. I so I'm complaining about Drummond. I'm like I, I think I was basically just like whining about <laughs> about him, but the the potential is there, and I can see what Gores is doing though. He's like, we're not going to tank. I love Andre. Let's get this coach who took the Toronto Raptors from 23 wins his first year. And then he won 34, 48, 49, 56, 51, 59 with really similar personnel. Uh, DeMar DeRozan improved. They traded for Kyle Lowry and got a little lucky that he uh, ended up being good. And then they're then they're just making little moves in the meantime. They, they made a big trade for Serge Ibaka, and that worked out okay. They drafted well at the end of the first round. They get get Fred Van Vliet. They get Pascal Siakam. And, you know, they moved up, and, and then they were in a position to make a big move to get Kawhi Leonard, which may or may not work out. They just keep doubling down and doubling down. But Casey got guys to do stuff that was helpful. He got DeRozan to shoot more threes. He got... Lowry and DeRozan to play well together. I wonder. I, I wonder if Gores is the reason. I wonder if if Van Gundy felt like he had perfect time and no pressure. He, if he would have not made the move to get Griffin, or if he really was like the mastermind behind that trade, because that to me, per our previous Van Gundy apology podcast, was his first. Was his was his one big mistake as a GM in terms of like that was just out of line with like that reason because we got because we gave up a first round pick and I think that you just as a habit need to just keep on keep your you know keep on drawing from that random pile every year and eventually yes. Pascal Siakam is really good right now you know you, you finally land someone like that you finally get lucky uh, I mean maybe we just suck at drafting also but I think part of it is just like an, an odds thing you, you can't afford to 
be not in that not in that each year. The, so no, that's right. He was so he was p- taken twenty seventh overall, and he's you know. But people were saying, well, he should be just in the discussion to be an all star this year. I, I think that's you know going a little too far. He's playing thirty minutes a game, fifteen points, five rebound, uh, seven rebounds, two assists. You know. Um, but really efficient. The shooting well, re- really efficient. Efficiency is what matters. So that's the thing. Like it, it, it's all that matters to a point. I mean, you need someone to be able to play make and to actually take the shot, but efficiency, volume and playmaking are the, are the components, right? So, you know, we've got a theory and it, it won't necessarily work. It might not work for Toronto. Toronto got to be in the conversation as contenders, but they've got, they've not gotten to the finals. And they, they might have to blow it up after this year if Kawhi leaves. But this is just how it is. Like, you have a theory. You, you take a shot. We we took a, we made our bets on Andre and Reggie Jackson, signing them to contracts that it took to, to get and keep them. And Reggie Jackson exceeded his contract value for one year, where he was really good a couple of years ago. And then he's been playing worse than his contract or injured since then. But he's still he's still a decent offensive player. We could trade him to a team that has a similarly poor value contract, but needs a guy off the bench um, to score. Like he has he has talent. So anyway, we're we're on this track for another year and a half. We're going to get a lot of information. We're, we're things are going to be different these last this last third of the season than they were the first. But let's just not make any moves that that kind of awkwardly overlap us into into the next era without it being, um, yeah. But that kind of either makes us just mediocre enough to like worsen our draft picks and not actually be any good in the East. Uh, to me, at this point, yeah, the Blake move. I was like, okay, if we're the fourth, we said if we're the fourth seed this year, then it was worthwhile, even if it's only for one year, and it was, and then we end up sucking for three years after that. It'll be worth it. We're not. We're barely going to make. We're probably not. We, we might make the playoffs. It's, a, it's it's already kind of a disaster, with a twist. It's a disaster, not exactly how we envisioned it. Blake didn't get injured. He's actually playing really well. It just turns out that even so, we still suck. We're we're, um, we're one game in the loss column from the eighth, seventh, and sixth seeds in the East. Um, but we're also a similar amount away from the sixth draft pick. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, we're, so we're right in that zone that everybody tells you not to be in, that we're in the mediocrity trap. And so, yeah, I, I just, my rule of thumb is do not trade first round picks unless you have already made the conference finals, you know? So we broke that rule once I, I would have, I, in some ways, if I was being impulsive, I would have been fine going for kindly and just being like, okay, fine. We've been miserable. Let's at least make it interesting for for the lifetime of Blake's contract. Maybe we are – that would make us relevant in the East in the same way that maybe Indiana is for the next couple of years, assuming we got real lucky with injuries. But that, that still is kind of bad, and it would be locking us in. But just, okay, fine. We're not doing – we're not going down that road. Please. They, they wanted Luke Kennard and our first rounder this year. Fine. But, like, that 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 would be consistent with going after Blake. But if, if we go after Blake and then and then we don't trade him, yep. and, and then we just he, he he keeps us just good enough to be like you know not getting a top top ten pick in the draft. Uh, I, I just think we, I, to, as I open the podcast, uh, I will be disappointed unless I'm surprised and something else emerges if we don't sell high on Blake this offseason. 
Yeah, we, we were we were like could see the logic, but but we thought the Blake trade was too risky. Our worst fears have not come true, but it, you know it probably came out a little better. This is one of the better scenarios for how that trade worked out in terms of just a talent play. Mm-hmm. Blake is good and he's not hurt, but then the rest of the team around him is just not ready. We're yeah we're we're three we're three games out from in the in the tank race from the seventh pick. So we're not we're not going to get a we're not going to get a top pick. We're three games out from the sixth seed in the East. You know, uh, I don't know. I, I almost I almost don't care that much what happens this season. Like, fine, we make the playoffs. I'll, I'll go and watch us play at LCA. It'll be fun to go to a playoff game, but I, it's not going to be a really great thing. Or it, it's just more about what happens. Like, we we are not. Our, our, what I was going to be excited about is not going to happen this year, which is mean, meaning to credibly think we have a shot at winning in, in the first round this year. Yep. And, and, and our predict, my, my, my thinking about what our record would be before the season, where it's like, here's what has to go right, here's what might go wrong. Um, it was it, it was wrong. It, I, was, I, I would have been really surprised if you told me Blake was this good and we were this bad. Um, I, you know, Tolliver, losing Tolliver was important. We didn't replace him, his production with anybody. Andre's pressing, trying harder to be the man, and he's having a really inefficient offensive season as a result. Glenn Robinson's a bust. Glenn Robinson's a bust. Stanley's a bust. John Lewis never came back to be worth anything. Yep. Um, Clankson Galloway, continue to be Clankson Galloway. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we, it, I, I think I was like rationally optimistic, but it didn't work out that way. Um, so I'm interested to see what lineups we use, what, uh, Steve McKaylock looks like, what, um, you know, how we use the lineups, how, how we can, um, how Luke Kennard can earn some playing time. Uh, Bruce Brown should not be playing over him with his shooting skill. There's reasons to watch and, uh, and there's, and we have a bit, uh, some moves we can make this off season in terms of like cashing in at Blake's peak or, you know, getting lucky drafting someone good. But um, we're in the, we're in the mix in the middle now. And the way teams get out of the middle is to get lucky with something. And we just, we just haven't, we've just had a exactly average or worse luck for a long time. And we've made some mediocre decisions, including a bad one with Blake. So yeah, we made some good trades some bad signings. Um, I, I'm I'm I don't really hold anyone to the fire on on our draft performance. We we drafted normally compared to what everyone else would have done, and, and um, every you know, and we just didn't get lucky. And um, yeah, that's just how it is. There are 30 teams, and half of them are going to be below average. You know. Yeah, that could be <laughs> that should be the new tagline for the Pistons. But yeah, uh, we should make a custom Brozan T-shirt. <laughs> All right, well, uh, if you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Um, and thanks for putting up with our random schedule of doing this. Uh, if you like us, tell your friend. And uh, we will see you whenever we muster the uh, excitement to do it again. Thanks. Thanks.